0: Well, after the uh, first service, somebody came up to me and said, that was a good sermon, but you've got to get right to the point. What are you waiting around for? We don't have all day. Just get to it. Yeah, t- Today's scripture passage is about impatience. It's about not knowing how to wait for God. It's a message, I'll just confess, uh, that I need to hear because I'm one of the least patient people I know. And all the church staff said, "Amen." Right? <laughs> when when I was when I was diagnosed with cancer a couple of months ago, I was ready to start treatment that day. Let's go. I'm not. I'm not waiting around. Let's go. Let's get this thing going. I mean, I didn't want to take time to think about all the options. I mean, come on. Let's do this. What are we doing? Maybe you're like that too. You know, we 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 live in a microwave culture, don't we? Not a crockpot culture. We don't want to wait around all day for something to cook. We want it right now. We're a microwave society. We want things right now. We don't want to wait. We're not good at waiting for God to move in our lives because we'd rather take the lead. I'm not sitting around waiting for God. Let's go. That's the way we are today. And that's where we find Moses, where we find his brother Aaron, where we find the people of Israel in our scripture passage today. See they had left Egypt where they had been slaves. God freedom. They crossed the dry ground of the Red Sea. It was a miracle. Look what God did. And God had led them to his holy mountain, Mount Sinai. You know when we read this account of Of God delivering His people out of Egypt and getting to Mount Sinai, you know what I've I've just recently come to realize is that for an old man, Moses must have been in great shape. I mean, when they're based, when they're camped out at the base of Mount Sinai, he had to climb that smoke and ash-filled mountain not once but twice. He had to climb that mountain two times. The first time he went up, he came down with instructions that no one's supposed to go up on the mountain. The second time he goes up to the mountain, Joshua went with him for part of the way. And then Moses went on up by himself to get further instructions from God. In in Exodus 19:20, he goes up. In verse 25, he comes down. In Exodus 24:15, he goes up the mountain. But then he doesn't come down. In fact, more than a month goes by, and there's no sign of the old man. Nobody knew where he was. And all the people down below were starting to get restless. I mean, in, in their minds, they couldn't do anything without Moses. He was their leader. I mean, if, and if Moses, the leader, wasn't there, they didn't know what to do. And one of the issues that these Israelites had is they thought, they thought that they needed Moses with them all the time in order for everything to be okay. And they're a pretty impatient group of folks, if I might add. I mean, what was going through their minds? Y'all, it's been a month. Moses is probably dead. Now what are we going to do? I mean, there's a lot of fire and smoke up there. Maybe he fell in a volcano. Maybe he did something that ticked off God and God roasted him. What was going through their minds? Let's get going. We've got to do something. We can't just sit here at the foot of this mountain for our whole lives. They were getting impatient with God. Have you ever been that way? No. For God doesn't act according to the schedule that you set out for your life? See, I think God is testing the people here in this, in this passage. Are they going to trust God? Remember, they just made a covenant with him. We're going to allow you to be our God and we're going to live the way you say to live. Well, God is maybe testing them here. All right, well, let's just see. So the people did something. They went to Aaron, Moses' brother, and they asked him to do something that was quite unexpected. See, their leader's gone. They thought Moses was dead. And it would seem natural that they'd ask Aaron to be their new leader. I mean, he was Moses' right-hand man, after all. But that's not what they asked Aaron they don't want Aaron to be their leader. They want Aaron to make them a new God. Think about all that they've been through. From the parting of the Red Sea to the pillar of fire and cloud to the manna that they had collected and eaten each day out in the desert. And in spite of all of that, they don't give God credit. And See, it's right there in verse 1, if you have your Bibles. Listen to this. Exodus 32, verse 1. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered around Aaron, and they said to him, Come on, make gods for us, who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what's happened to him. They say that it was Moses who led them out of Egypt. Not God. Despite all that they had experienced since they left Egypt, all the miracles that they saw, they say, yeah, it was Moses who let us out. They could only see with their eyes, not with their hearts. Their focus was on the external, not the internal. It was on the human not on the divine. See, they could see Moses, but they couldn't see God. Despite the many miracles that God had performed before their very eyes, I mean, we're, let's admit it—we're that way sometimes. God works miracle after miracle every day, yet at times we wonder where He is. God, where, where are you? I can't see you yet someone called us at the right time. Coincidence? Maybe not. These Israelite people wanted a God that they could see, not one that they could experience. So here's Aaron, Moses' brother. Remember when Moses was at the burning bush? Remember how nervous he was? He says, God, there is no way I can go to the most powerful man on earth and say, you have to release all your slaves. He's not going to listen to me. God, I'm not a public speaker. I can't do it. And what is God telling? Moses, calm down. You've got your brother Aaron. He's a great speaker. He's going to go with you. See, that was Aaron's ministerial call. He was there to be the spokesperson for Moses. Yet how quickly he had forgotten it. And in this pivotal moment, Aaron failed. See, instead of courageously opposing the people's plan, instead of redirecting their impatience, which is what he should have done. He gave in to the pressure. It was very poor leadership on Aaron's part. He could have used this as a teachable moment. Yes, even though Moses is gone, we're still the people of God, and God is still with us. It's like, well, we can't have a church meeting without the preacher there to say a prayer. Yes, you can. But it's like, Moses has to be here. Aaron could have used this lesson, but he didn't. So instead, he gathered all their gold, and he made a statue of a, of a young bull out of it. Probably looked like one of those gold-plated statues that they had seen in Egypt. I mean, these, these Israelites, they, they were slaves in a pagan culture. They, they saw gods all the time. Maybe Aaron himself didn't fully understand the concept of an invisible God. Because in our passage today, after he makes the calf, he says, we're going to have a festival for Yahweh. Yahweh. This is a festival for God. Now, time out here. How can you have a festival for God after you've made a gold-plated calf to worship? See, maybe in the minds of Aaron and the other people, this golden calf is what Yahweh looked like. So they made the calf, and Aaron says, Ta-da! I present to you Yahweh. We always wonder what he looked like. We can never see him. There you have your god. Are you, you feel better now? Something you can see. The people finally had a god like the Egyptians had. How tragic that just weeks after consecrating themselves before an invisible god, they needed a god they could see. See sometimes I think we we make golden calves. Out of people. Maybe we make golden calves out of churches or denominations or even ministries. See that church? That's what God looks like. That's a golden calf. Remember years ago, that pastor was here, that pastor saved the church. That's a golden calf. Oh, this leadership model gave new life to our congregation. I've heard that one before. That's the golden calf. A ministry model can't give life to a church. That's what the Holy Spirit is for, that's what He does. And see, centuries after this golden calf episode, God's people would cry out once again for something that all the pagan nations had that they didn't have. And it was a king. And if you know your Old Testament history, it ended up being their doom. See, sometimes I think we in the church long for what the world has in order to do ministry. We can't worship without an organ. That's a golden calf. We can't worship without a projector. I mean, how would you know the name of the sermon? Have to have that. That's a golden calf. We can't reach children without the right curriculum. Have to have something. We can't promote our church without knowing our target audience. Sometimes we melt the golden blessings of God and reform them into something that's not from God. We craft golden calves all the time, y'all. Let's admit it. Sometimes, like Aaron did, with the best of intentions. Sometimes, even like Aaron did, in the name of the Lord God. when Moses finally came down from the mountain, hey, I've missed y'all. How are you doing? Wait, what are y'all doing? Moses didn't just take apart that golden calf. He destroyed it. Whatever that golden calf is in your life, doesn't need to be taken apart slowly. It needs to be cut out and destroyed. So what is that golden calf in your life? What's that thing in your life that you have taken and replaced God with? The thing in your life that you say you can trust because you can see it. We all have one. Whether or not we have the courage to admit it, that's up to each one of us. But each one of us has something that we impatiently replace God with. See, impatience, like it did with God's people in this chapter in in Exodus, impatience often leads to sin but waiting patiently for god will often lead to a blessing remember isaiah 40:31 those who wait patiently upon the lord will renew their strength they will soar on wings like eagles they will run and not grow weary they will walk and not be faint That's what waiting patiently for God does in our lives. This morning we're going to share the Lord's Supper. This is a celebration. This is a time when we all come together. That's why it's called communion, because we do this together. And it's a time for us to make this moment a holy moment in our lives. It's a time when we remember that Jesus came into the world not just to show us how to live, not just show us how to love it, love each other and let's just get along. Jesus came into the world to take our sin, our impatience upon himself. He was perfect. But he took our sin upon himself and he died to make us right with God. That's what Jesus did and that's what we remember in this Lord's Supper. So as you come down in just a few moments and you take the bread and and you dip it in the cup, I pray that it'll be a moment in which you can allow God to destroy all those golden calves in your life. those things that you have to have because you can hold it because you know it's there and you place your trust in those things will always let us down It's only God is trustworthy when are we ever going to learn that let's pray